Hey, hey, hey. It's Skulls here. We're ready to go. We hope you are as well. Alex is here. Alex Luciferro is a partner, Sam Firu, Tamarkin LLP, the most positively reviewed law firm in the country. And with that, we are set to go and answer all of your questions here tonight. We got a, a really busy show over the next half hour. Reminder that it is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We do the Employment Law Show. To your benefit, call in, ask your questions, get smarter. Do not go it alone if you have questions or concerns about uh, being employed. Maybe you just lost your job. Maybe it's still some sort of vaccine thing and uh, they're giving you as an excuse. Do not sit back in your laurels and accept it. Your severance offer will be short, guaranteed. So find out what it should be at least. And any other questions, because every time you ask questions, you're answering them for, or at least you're asking them for so many other people that are, are, are listening to the show. So please do that. We'll cover medical leaves from work when disability benefit coverage is denied over the next half hour. Maybe some phone calls as well. But we always get to the case of the day. My brother, Alex, what, uh, what's happening today, pal? Hey, Johnny. Good Monday evening to you. Great to be back live on the yeah, air man. here in Toronto talking employment law, talking workplace rights for employees and for employers as well, of course. It's been a busy Monday, busy start to the week for our office, John, continuing to help people resolve their workplace situation, solving problems, giving employment law advice, helping people get the severance that they're owed. Our entire team, obviously, we speak to people on a daily basis. They've either heard this show, the Employment Law Show on the radio, or they've seen our TV show, or they've been, you know, put in touch with us through a family member or a friend. Maybe these, you know, these people give us a call because they're dealing with a problem at work, John. It really comes down to that. They're dealing with a difficult situation. They don't know what to do, how to respond to their employer, and they are just desperate uh, for help. They want to know what options they have. They want to know what their rights are. And as you very well know, John, that's what we do all day, every day, and it's what we also do on this show. We help people resolve their workplace problems, the bread and butter of our work. It's what we pride ourselves on. And what's great about the job, as I've said before, John, is that after we speak to people, after people get advice from us, they feel a heck of a lot better. A lot of times we are able to answer people's questions and resolve their workplace problems actually quite easily. Uh, and in their favor, employment laws in Ontario are quite employee friendly. Uh, and even in, you know, and there are situations where we can't perfectly resolve a problem or they're very, very complicated, take a little longer to resolve. People are just really grateful to simply know what options they have and where they stand. So if you're listening to the show right now, you're dealing with a difficult work situation. Uh, maybe you've been let go from your job and you've been offered a severance package. Maybe your boss is mistreating you. Uh, or maybe you're an employer, for that matter. Maybe you own a business. You're dealing with a difficult situation. One of your employees is giving you a hard time. Feel free to give us a call right now. It's an opportunity to speak to an employment lawyer. Let's solve that problem that is stressing you out. Let's try and alleviate some of that workplace stress. I always encourage our listeners, don't be shy to call in. There are absolutely no bad questions when it comes to employment law. We're here to help. We're here to talk. And, of course, if you don't want to call into the show, give us a call at the office. John will give you the number. You can certainly call us there as well. Uh, I'm coming in hot today, John. Uh, case <laughs> of the day. Spoke to a very, very nice uh, older gentleman today, John, 71 years of age, sharp as a tack, personable, great, great guy. I mean, I, I had a pleasure speaking with this gentleman. Uh, he'd been with uh, his employer for just about six years. And unfortunately, this happened just last week, was let go from his job. Shockingly, uh, John, I say shockingly because it's very rare that we hear these kinds of stories so explicitly. 
during this gentleman's termination meeting, he was explicitly told, John, that the reason why they were letting him go was because they needed younger blood within the company, and he just didn't match uh, the company's future outlook with respect to the age of their employees. I mean, you know, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but that was effectively word for word what he said. So, obviously, you know, red flag number one, and it's the biggest red flag I've seen uh, in a long time, John, is you cannot do that as an employer. You cannot let an employee go because you want to replace that employee with someone younger. That is age discrimination. And in this case, it's explicit age discrimination. He was told exactly this, that they were looking for somebody younger to replace him. That is discrimination under the Human Rights Code. Uh, This gentleman is not only going to be owed severance. I haven't even gotten to the severance piece, John. I'll get there in a sec. This gentleman is going to be owed tens of thousands of dollars in human rights damages as a result of the way the company treated him and letting him go. That is as sure a thing as I can possibly think of, John. This employer made a huge mistake out there. Never terminate your employees as a result of their age or any other uh, ground for discrimination, whether that's race or religion or gender, uh, etc. Massive red flag. Issue number one. Issue number two, John, is the severance they offered him in the first place. This guy's a a six-year employee, again, 71 years of age. He was in a, I would call it a kind of general laborer position, uh, nothing too senior or too complicated, uh, but he was effectively a tradesman, and they offered him four weeks of severance. Pales in comparison to this gentleman's actual severance entitlements, his severance entitlements as a 71-year-old individual with six years of service in a laborer position is probably in the range of something like eight months. This gentleman was offered one month of pay. He's looking at seven times or eight times that, I guess, uh, uh, John, as his severance entitlements, as I mentioned, over and above his human rights damages, which is he, he is going to receive, is going to be owed as a result of the company's just absolutely appalling and shocking behavior. I haven't seen something this egregious in a long, long time. John, I could not wait to talk to you about it on this evening's show. Yeah, stuff like that's getting less and less shocking, but that's why people should be uh, should be calling you, Alex. By the way, reaching out to Alex anytime, and his team is one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. Always like our callers coming in, Dave. Thanks for standing by for a couple minutes, pal. Uh, what's uh, what's your question? Yeah, my daughter works for a clothing store. And she works part-time. They were for three years. And uh, she goes to school, so they've always worked around her schedule. And now they've told her they want her to resign in writing because they no longer want to work around her schedule. Um, She refused to resign, and they've taken her off the um, schedule, and she hasn't worked now for a month. So she's not sure. I mean, being only part-time, she's not sure if it's worth pursuing it or not. Yeah, great question, Dave, and credit to your daughter for standing up for herself, probably with good advice from uh, from yourself uh, in not resigning, because that is the wrong thing to do. No employer should be forcing any employee to resign their employment. A resignation has to be willful. It has to come from the employee, and the employee has to make that decision for him or herself. In a situation like this, uh, Dave, it's a fairly straightforward one, actually, uh, if they've been accommodating her and her schedule and adjusting that in accordance with her school schedule 
for three years and now are no longer willing to do so, and they're not giving her any hours anymore, I mean, that's effectively a termination. It is certainly not a resignation in a situation like that. So her employer needs to decide either you're going to play ball and give her some hours and continue the employment relationship, and if they're not interested in doing that anymore, well, then it's a termination, very obviously. Um, It could not be any more obvious. They've literally stopped uh, giving her hours, and she's no longer working there. And she's owed severance, uh, Dave. Now, maybe because of her age, right, and, and, you know, if she's a part-time student, you know, she might not be making a heck of a lot of money, so maybe her severance entitlements uh, are not overly significant, but it could be a decent amount of money. It could certainly be, uh, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars. And so, you know, you have to uh, decide for yourself whether you think that's worth pursuing. We certainly have lawyers and paralegals within our office that deal with smaller value uh, claims and claims that are still worth pursuing. I think it's at least worth a conversation, Dave. I'd suggest that you know your daughter directly, or you and your daughter yourself, give us a call. Let's have a chat off air. Let's figure out what the best course of action uh, is. Again, I think it's a very obvious termination. She's owed severance based on her age, position, and years of service, and it's just a question of how much. Well, one thing I didn't mention is when they pulled her in the office, she actually put her phone in her pocket and recorded the conversation as well. Um, Fair so enough. Might be good evidence. Yeah, yeah, might be good evidence to have. Listen, I think the situation speaks for itself. I don't know how much evidence you need, uh, really. Okay. If they stop giving her hours, I think that's all the evidence one might need. Uh, but okay. there's nothing illegal about an employee recording a conversation like that. You have to be part of that conversation. Of course, you're not allowed. It's actually criminal uh, to record other people's conversations, but certainly a conversation you can you are part of yourself. Even in an employment uh, context, you are well within your rights to record a conversation like that. So that's absolutely fine. She can keep that recording handy. And like I said, give us a call off air. Let's have a chat about it, see what we can do here. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate that. And again, that number to reach out, which I know you probably will, one 821 5900 help at employmentlawyer.ca is the email address to reach out to Alex anytime. Okay, let's get into this for a couple of these talking points before we uh, take a, a short break, Pablo. Medical leaves from work when disability benefits coverage is denied. What should an employee do with respect to their employer if they're a short-term, or, or for that matter, LT, their long-term disability benefits are denied? What do you do? Well, specifically when it comes to the employer, uh, John, and when it comes to medical leaves of absence, you actually don't need a heck of uh, a lot to confirm and to establish a medical leave when it comes to your employer specifically, right? So I'm not talking about the insurance company here. If one has short-term or long-term disability benefits, the insurance company is going to want actually a lot of information that you're going to need to actually complete an application for disability benefits. They're going to want to see an entire medical record. They'll want your doctor's opinion kind of in length. That's not what your employer needs. All your employer needs to confirm that you as an employee are on a medical leave of absence is a brief doctor's note. It doesn't even need to specify dates necessarily. So certainly your medical leave can be, you know, for two weeks or for three weeks or for a month or for however long your doctor might think as far as a specific period of time goes, but it doesn't even need to be that. You know, it could be, again, a brief note from your doctor on a prescription pad even that says, you know, off on medical leave of absence to be uh, reevaluated next month. And that's all you need. You provide a note like that to your employer, 
and they have to respect the medical leave. Uh, John, it's as simple as that. Your employer doesn't get to know what the prog- what the diagnosis is, so they don't have to know what you what kind of health issue you're dealing with, what kind of treatment you're receiving. The insurance company may want to know those things, but the employer doesn't have to know those things. They just need proof, evidence from your doctor that you're on a medical leave of absence, and they effectively have to leave you alone until you're cleared back to return to work, within reason, of course. They have a right to ask for an update once a certain amount of time has passed, but they really don't need anything other than a doctor's confirmation that you're on a medical leave. We'll continue Monday night edition Employment Law Show. Stand by. And welcome back to it. Alex Luciferro is your guy partner, Sam Fury with Jamark and LLP. Uh, to reach out, by the way, phone number anytime with Alex and his team. Always ready to have a chat with you, clear things up, educate you, help you out. one 821 5900 If you've never used this website, you could do so free and anonymously called pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Again, tons of information there, free, absolutely anonymous. You will educate yourself. You can also take the severance pay calculator for a spin to see what you would be owed if uh, the event ever arose that you were let go from your job and almost guaranteed you're going to get shortchanged. So use the uh, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca website and severance pay calculator to clear that up and get a better uh, better view of what you should be owed. Then you can follow up with a phone call if you uh, you choose to do so. Okay, medical leaves back to this. You, you did mention this in the uh, first segment, Alice, but I want to Dig a little deeper on this one. Uh, difference between being on LTD, long-term disability, and being on a medical leave of absence. Break that down. Yeah, the difference is pretty straightforward, uh, John. When we're talking about long-term disability, what we're really talking about is long-term disability benefits, monetary benefits that are payable by an insurance company to an employee when they're on a medical leave of absence. So when we're talking about LTD or even uh, short-term disability benefits, STD, we're talking about benefits that are payable to an employee as an insurance uh, when they are medically unable to work. Now, some employees don't have benefits coverage uh, that extends to disability benefits, uh, uh, John. And some employees, well, their, their medical leaves might be so brief that they don't qualify for any kind of disability benefits coverage. And so employees can take medical leaves of absence. You can take a medical leave of absence from your employer even if you don't have disability benefits coverage, but of course the medical leave of absence, again, why being completely legitimate, completely legal, right? You have the support from your doctor, you provide a doctor's note to your employee confirming that you're on a medical leave, that medical leave, uh, John, unless you have that disability benefits coverage, that medical leave is unpaid. An employer does not have the obligation to pay an employee while they're on medical leave. You can't let them go while they're on a medical leave, right? You cannot punish an employee for taking a medical uh, leave, but you don't have to pay an employee who is medically unable to work. That is where the disability insurance comes into play. When you have that insurance coverage through your employer, even privately, the benefits, the monetary benefits, the STD, the uh, the, uh, LTD kicks in when you are medically unable to work. That is the difference between the two. One is paid. Long-term disability is paid and just a general regular medical leave of absence if you don't have those benefits, it's unpaid. How long can uh, someone be off on that uh, medical leave of absence? Is there a time limit? You know, it's it's a great question. It's a question that has been argued, uh, you know, for many years uh, in our court system, and the answer, John, effectively is is it depends. Like many answers in the, in the legal world, right, the answer right. is it depends. And, and it depends in large part 
based on the employee themselves. And that's a good thing, Don, again, it's something that's a very employee-friendly. As long as the employee uh, uh, has a chance of returning to work that is reasonable, then the employer has to respect the medical leave and cannot let them go. So you can be on medical leave, John, for two years, three years, four years, even five years, even oh, even longer than five years. If it is the doctor's opinion that the that the you know let's say the employee is undergoing a particular kind of treatment, and at the end of that treatment, there's a strong likelihood that they will be able to return back to work again, even if it's been many years. The employer has to respect the length of the medical leave and cannot let that employee go. Now, I'll give what you the opposite getting... example. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'll give you the opposite example very quickly, John. If an employee goes on a medical leave and unfortunately, you know, the prognosis is very, very negative and it's confirmed maybe there even very early on, let's say six months within to a, a medical leave, for example, it's confirmed that the employee will never be able to work again the employee has become permanently disabled. Well, actually, in a case like that, John, as difficult as it might be, the employer is allowed to end the employment relationship because, again, the person has become permanently disabled and there's zero chance, even early on in in that example, that the employee will be able to come back to work. So it really depends on the employee's prognosis and whether there's a chance they'll be able to come back. If the employer tells the employee that, you know, it's, it's been long enough, you got to go back to work, before that employee is ready, what does that employee do, other than panic? Yeah, other than panic, and we speak to a good amount of people in exactly that mm-hmm. situation, uh, John, yeah. where their employer is putting pressure on them, following up, you know, on a weekly basis, asking for medical documentation, asking for updates, wanting them to come in for a meeting, and the answer is is actually quite simple. In a situation like that, as an employee, you need to use your doctor as effectively a shield against the employer. It is your doctor who should be answering to the employer and providing the employer uh, with ultimately their opinion and advice as to what this employee should or shouldn't be doing. So in that example where the employee is kind of, let's say, being harassed by their employer about returning back to work, it's very simple, John. You speak to your, you schedule an appointment with your doctor. You tell your employer you have a doctor's appointment scheduled for that day. You speak to your doctor, and your doctor will decide whether you are fit to return back to work or not. If you are not fit to return back to work, your doctor needs to confirm that in writing. Again, it could be one or two sentences, very basic. You provide that note to your doctor, and your employer should stop harassing you. Uh, they should back off because your doctor is telling them to. That is the way the law works. It's not just me that's saying this, John. I'm not the decision maker here. Uh, it is the way the law works. Your employer has to respect what your doctor is saying. They cannot force an employee go back to work. If an employer threatens or decides to terminate an employee in a situation like that, that is a human rights violation. And certainly that employee is going to be owed severance and then some and some additional damages. Because, again, you cannot terminate an employee just because they're on a medical leave of absence. How about uh, an employer? Can an employer require or ask that employee to see a different doctor? Not the insurance company. I'm talking about the employer now for a second opinion. Do they have that right? Very rarely, uh, uh, John. I would say I would say the answer is no. An employer shouldn't be asking an employee for a second opinion unless there is something uh, obviously wrong and reasonably wrong with the opinion that they're getting from the employee's family doctor. So, you know, you could think of a situation uh, where 
you know, the family doctor is just providing incorrect information or the wrong information or they're not being clear enough uh, in the employee's status. In a case like that, well, number one, that employer should be asking for clarification, right? And the buck probably stops there, right? You can ask for clarification from a family doctor with respect to the employee's status. If, again, if a doctor is being very unreasonable or refusing to answer, well, then perhaps something like an independent medical examination becomes appropriate. But again, these are the rare, rare examples and cases. Uh, uh, John, in almost all cases, no, it's improper for an employer to be asking uh, an employee uh, to get a second opinion from another doctor or to get what's called an independent medical examination. Does it make any difference if uh, WSIB is involved? Ah, interesting. So WSIB means that we're dealing with a workplace injury yep. and a workplace yep. accident. And WSIB, the Worker Safety uh, and, and Insurance Board, uh, actually gets involved oftentimes in these kinds of cases. They're the adjudicator, effectively, the decision maker. They stand in place of an insurance company, of a private insurance company, John. And, you know, the, the employer doesn't get to do anything different in a case uh, like that. The employer still needs to respect an employee's medical leave. They still need to respect an employee's limitations or accommodations and what they can or can't do if they're back at work. But WSAB itself may very well ask for something like, uh, you know, an expert opinion or an independent medical examination or a second opinion. Or WSAB may even deny a claim. I've certainly seen it plenty uh, of times. They're effectively, again, acting like an insurance company. And so oftentimes you need to appeal those decisions. You sometimes need to get a lawyer involved that handles WSIB uh, work. They're basically a state-sponsored insurance company, if I can put it that way, uh, uh, John. And it makes for uh, a difficult entity to deal with for that reason. Let's get to Sanders' email before we wrap up here in a minute. It says, my former employer found out that I am now working for a competitor of theirs that is now threatening to take legal action against me. Can an employer do this? Yeah, interesting, uh, Sandra. I wonder uh, what exactly your employer is threatening and why they're threatening to take legal uh, action. Uh, in these situations, John, it most often has to do with a non-competition clause or a non-solicitation clause. Maybe she uh, left to join a competitor or she's... Uh, taking some clients with her uh, away. Uh, what I would say to Sandra is, uh, if, if that is the case, a lot of times non-competition provisions are unenforceable. They are too broad, uh, they are too restrictive, and they stop an employee really from earning a living. And for that reason, judges, times, uh, judges almost always strike them down. Uh, that said, Sandra, uh, you should certainly be getting some legal advice if you're being threatened with legal action by uh, a former employer, you need to speak with an employment lawyer, give us a call. I'm sure actually the situation is quite resolvable. Uh, and again, in the employee's favor, uh, uh, John, even when it comes to non-competition language, as I was just mentioning, the law is yep. quite favorable to employees. Done. Out of here. Back tomorrow at 6.30. In the meantime, one 821 5900 Reach out to Alex and help at employmentlawyer.ca. See you again tomorrow on the Employment Law Show.